Hi, I'm Kristen, and you're listening to PRN, Pause, Renew, Next, a podcast about soul care, scripture, and stories of faith. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and tell your friends. Enjoy! Welcome to PRN, Pause, Renew, Next, the podcast. I'm Jenny Detweiler. In today's podcast episode, you'll hear a conversation between myself and a lady I really admire, Mrs. Ann Miller. Ann has a lot of wisdom to share, and her story is pretty extraordinary. I have admired her for a long time. She and her husband always put the Word of God first, and they're really bold in their faith, which you'll hear about in today's podcast episode. Of course, Ann couldn't tell her whole life story in 30 minutes, but the pieces that you will hear today are little golden nuggets. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. So with that, let's jump into the podcast episode. So Anne, welcome to the podcast. I'm glad you're here. Thank you. Would you like to introduce yourself for a minute? Okay. My name's Ann Miller. I'm married to Douglas Miller, and um, we've been married for 57 years this year. We have two grown children and three grandchildren. And I'm excited that you're here. Great. Because you're somebody that I've admired for a long time. And I like to hear your story, and I've heard pieces of it before, but I love to hear it all at one time. I think it'll encourage a lot of people. So let's start back at the beginning. How did you meet your husband, and how did you two find yourselves in ministry? We met in college because one of the teachers alphabetized the students. It was sort of a joke because both of us were millers. I sat in front of him for a while, and then he got moved to another row because the row ended with me in the back. So that sort of uh, caused us to want to get to know each other even better. Yeah. So we started dating and and eventually uh, became serious. We got married after Doug's graduation. That's the way we started. We went to seminary and starting in 1961, and he graduated in uh, a few years later. We uh, graduated from Reform Seminary in Jackson, Mississippi. It was a brand new seminary, and it had been formed by a break-off from the Southern Presbyterian Church because of uh, doctrinal issues over the Word of God and inspiration of Scripture. So it was a, a time of change for everybody. Uh-huh. Yeah. So he was, in, he was in school to become a minister? Yes. And what were you in school for? I was going to be a teacher. Okay. And um, I, would, I ended up training in history, a history teacher, secondary history teacher. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, can you share about your husband's first church ministry? Like, how did you guys get started and where did you find yourselves? Well, graduating from a break-off seminary that was brand new, didn't have much prestige. And so a lot of people who were a little bit uh, skeptical would say, oh, you'll never get a call. The three or the four students that graduated from that first graduating class in 1968 all were called the Presbyterian churches. And we began our ministry in First Presbyterian Church, Montgomery, Alabama. And Doug was the assistant pastor. We had two children. It was a fun time, you know, fun time. So I know that you guys were kind of involved during the civil rights era, and yes. Alabama mm-hmm. was the hotbed of that. It was. Do you want and to talk about how you ended up there? Well, it, we didn't end up in Alabama for, because of that. It just came together as that way. And as Doug was a junior and senior, there were a lot of demonstrations in downtown Montgomery. And he knew people who had been involved in that. 
And I, he may have gone and, and seen what was going on, but I was completely oblivious to any of that mm-hmm. and went right on with my student, my uh, studies. And so that was all, you know, strange to me. Mm-hmm. But uh, so when we graduated, went to Montgomery. There we are in downtown Montgomery in the inner city or in the deep city right near the state capitol. We loved the church and the people loved us. We were a young couple with two little children. So we became very popular and had were having a, a good contact time. Then the session, after about a year or so, decided to ask Doug to uh, do some preaching once a, once a month in um, a local church that had been formed out of First Presbyterian Church soon after the Civil War ended. So these people were former slaves that had been freed and continued to go to sit in the balcony of First Presbyterian Church and hear the gospel preached. Mm-hmm. So uh, later on, they decided to form their own church, and First Presbyterian, I think, funded a good amount of it and helped them do that. So Doug was to go there and to preside over the communion service because you needed an ordained man. And so he served communion once a month at Calvary Church. Okay, so that church was formed soon after the Civil War, and this was 100 years later, and they're still active. and There's they're still, they're still a church. Okay. There's still a church in Montgomery, yes. Mm-hmm. I don't know much of the details about the pastor or anything like that, but I do uh, know that it still exists because we check up on it every once in a while. Do you? Yeah, yeah. Do you want to share how you guys became more involved there? Well, as Doug kept on... Uh, from month to month, uh, going to serve community preach, and they began to like him and thought that perhaps this would be a good opportunity to have a pastor. It's hard to find a black African-American pastor who's Presbyterian. And so think about how rare that is. So there we were. And so they proposed it to Doug, and he accepted. He couldn't uh, satisfy himself that if he did, that if he, uh, refused to do it, that he would not be thought of as having done it because of a different race. Mm -hmm. And we didn't want that to happen. And we wanted to do everything we can for them at that moment. And so we did. And uh, I think we were uh, in our most naive period there to think we could do that without any problem. And it was a upsetting, very upsetting uh, period in First Presbyterian Church. Mm -hmm. We were finally asked to leave because it was disruptive to the church. Many people were offended. and You're talking about the church that he... I'm talking about First Presbyterian, where he was actually at the beginning. So uh, they asked him to leave First Pres, and he became the installed and real pastor of Calvary Church. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you weren't expecting any of that pushback? We didn't think through, I don't guess. I think we just were taking one step at a time. Yeah. And uh, if we had thought about it, probably we would, because... We didn't even have time to prepare our parents down in Alabama, down in South Alabama. They had no real preparation for any of this. Mm-hmm. And uh, that always made me realize how, how naive we were that we could do that and not hurt their feelings or be misunderstood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, after we, uh, we thought maybe things would quiet down after we became the actual pastor and began doing the work, but it wasn't that easy. People uh, in the neighborhood where we were living, a little ranch house type neighborhood, you know, a lot of young people and things like that, <clears throat> did not understand that at all. Mm-hmm. And then others in the neighborhood, others around Montgomery uh, began to question this. And so we received some rather unpleasant telephone calls 
it was really sort of a joke because at home, at the same time every day, we would get a, a harassing telephone call. But Michelle, our four-year-old, would answer the phone and say, hello. And they'd say, honey, let me speak to your daddy. <laughs> so she'd say, daddy. And he'd come and talk to them. And then they'd go away. But it was somebody at work. He just loved, you know, calling us at that time. And, you know, he had some ugly things to say, but that's uh -huh. all right. And, but Michelle never heard any of that. Well, that's good. Yeah. So uh, we went on. And finally, because of different things, incidents that happened, we just realized we needed to move and change neighborhoods. So we moved in a, into a neighborhood with more uh, African-American people right mm -hmm. close to us. And they probably didn't understand why we were moving there either, yeah. for that matter. But we were peaceful, had no problems, and it was it was fine there. We had a cute little house with beautiful hardwood floors, and, and it, we enjoyed it very much in our house. And were you accepted there? Well, we stayed there. We made some friends. Okay. But it was a changing neighborhood. So, you know, there are certain people that are moving in that are, that are part of the new group that are moving in. And then older people living there who have not been able to leave uh -huh. and may or may not have been very uh, impressed with our being there. Yeah. So it, that was not a much of a much an event in our life or in our, we, I did make friends with the neighbors that touched the sides of the house. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. Okay. So I'm going to rewind for just a minute because I think you should tell the story about why you moved in the end mm -hmm. about the Ku Klux Klan. Do you want to share? About oh, that? okay. Just after we accepted the call and uh, had moved to Calvary Church as pastor, on a Monday morning after preaching the sermon on Sunday, Doug was out mowing his yard. It was a beautiful day and sort of hot and everything, and we had not an idea of any problems. When Doug arrives at the juncture of our yard and our neighbor's yard, and we find a uh, our neighbor there motioning to him, come over here, Doug, let's see this. So... Actually, what had happened in the middle of the night, somebody had tried to burn a cross in front of our house, and they got the wrong address. <laughs> now, think about that. Got the wrong address. They burned that cross in front of our neighbor's house. Yeah. He, he wasn't too pleased with that, but nothing, nothing was wrong. But all the other neighbors were up with their shotguns, ready to protect us, you know. And uh, so Doug and I were dead asleep, yeah. uh, you know. Uh, not any problem with us. We woke up and we had no idea that anything was wrong. But it was the local clan who decided to make an effort to say a, say something about that. Yeah. So you were protected. Did you ever feel like you were in danger? Never. Okay. No, never did. Uh, we. I don't think we had enough information to be afraid. Yeah. I think maybe, you know, that's the way God protects you if you don't know what danger you're in. <laughs> so true. <laughs> and why young people take risks. That's right. You don't know better. That's right. When you're older, you know to calculate more, don't you? <laughs> um, what, looking back, do you think you learned from all those experiences? Well, I learned that, I think I learned that God puts you in difficult circumstances uh, for you to learn something. And we did learn something. We learned that uh, how we missed the uh, the elders in, our, in First Presbyterian Church so much. Mm -hmm. We also uh, learned that there are those that uh, will stand up for you when you're in a situation like that, those you don't expect really? in the church, yes. There are also those who will who just disappear from your life. That was a, a lonely period of time, mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, in addition to the fact that uh, the African-American 
members of the church, they didn't know what, much what to do with us either. It was a whole period of, of trying to learn each other and get to know each other and um, become somewhat friends. Mm-hmm. We had two children, so somebody kept took care of them in the nursery and played with them. It was a nice time, but it was a difficult time on both sides. We were just sort of out in a no man's land, I think. Yeah. I sort of look back on it that that way. But I I appreciate that because it made us realize that that our ministry could not be conditioned on it being comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that was the beginning of being uncomfortable and having to make choices that are not always easy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you went from there to We few- went from there. Well, what happened was that the little church, of course, uh, they had not enough money to pay us for a long period of time. So they they ran out their money, and there we were with not a salary. And so Presbytery helped us for a while. Then we got a call that there was an inner city work beginning in Augusta, Georgia. We moved there and took that work over and began that from ground zero, pretty much. Uh, working in an African-American community in Augusta, Georgia, but in conjunction with local local Presbyterian churches who were going to help us. Mm-hmm. And so that was a, a lot more, uh, there was a lot more support and encouragement close to us. Yeah. And uh, we were thankful for that. And that's what happened to the next three or four years. Mm-hmm. And so eventually you became missionaries. How did yes. that happen? Well, um, at this time, our denomination was forming. 1973, there was the, the declaration and the, with, and the period of uh, breaking off from the formal de- denomination, all the measures that have to be taken. And so in 1973, there was a new denomination called the Presbyterian Church in America. We joined because over the years, uh, the Southern Presbyterian Church had, had moved away from the doctrine of the... Uh, of the scripture that we could support. And we wanted to belong to a church where the scripture was our only rule of faith and practice Mm -hmm. and that the ministers should not be ordained unless they believe that wholeheartedly. So there we were in a new denomination and everything was new to be re to be done, to be reinvented. Yeah. And so, um, Doug went to a mission board meeting and a missionary meeting, I guess you'd call it was just a committee meeting to discuss the ideas that were coming down from some of the leaders of the denomination, and uh, he became very interested in it. And so when I look back on this, all this uh, breaking away and being in Calvary Church and being in a strange place that I didn't understand or nor understood me, begin you begin to see how that prepares you to do other things. Yeah. Um, and so we eventually were called and were sent to France as missionaries in 1976. Our children were nine and six when we went. It was February the 26th that we got on the airplane in Atlanta with 10 suitcases, ourselves, our children, and our fox terrier. Fox terrier was patches. <laughs> <laughs> um, so moving into another country across the ocean is a, is a really big deal. So tell Absolutely. me what going into a new culture was like. Well... Um, I don't know what it would be like if I didn't have contacts to sort of prepare the ground. Yeah. You know, because we had never traveled extensively overseas. We were not experienced travelers or anything like that. Our mission contacts in, in the United States began to prepare, and so they knew people already ministering over there. And they would not have sent us if there had not been at least one person 
to be the contact person to see how we were doing right. and not leave us just alone. So he knew people in Grenoble where we went for the first five years. We lived in a tall apartment building, a high-rise apartment building. With Patches? With Patches the dog. That's right. And every morning, Michelle and Matthew would get up and get ready for school and take Patches on a walk. And they'd go by the bread store, the boulangerie, and she would give Patches water and a, a piece of bread, fresh bread. So so it was fun. And yeah. they became known in the neighborhood as the two American kids. How long were you in France and what was your mission there? What were you trying to do? All right. The idea, all the beginning idea with the Presbyterian Church in America was to connect up with the French Presbyterian Church. And so our men that over time, and they still do it, they connect with this the French Presbyterian Church, which began with the Reformation in the 16th century and John Calvin. And so uh, that denomination is the closest to what we, uh, what we believe here. Mm -hmm. They're our closest uh, uh, fraternal brothers. And so our practice in, in any country where there's a Presbyterian Church that we can work with is you don't compete with them. Right. You, you, you try to build that up. Right. And so... We began uh, our ministry in, as part of the French Presbyterian Church, uh, which is a long name that doesn't mean anything much in English, but it's a, an evangelical church. And um, they believe the gospel and they believe uh, the reliability of scripture. Mm -hmm. And so that's where we could work. So we began to visit and, and work and practice our French and our ministry and learn from the pastors in different places. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, our first stage was to be in Grenoble and to learn French. Which and so that took several years. Yeah. <laughs> took several years. Our children were were ready to speak French in six months. And so from that time on, we had every meal with a dictionary on the table trying to find out what a Frenchman would say. And our children already knew it <laughs> because they were, you know, children are so able to uh, absorb a language. And did, so did they, they go to French school? They went to French school. They went to the public school. Mm -hmm. yeah. So we did that. And in five years, we came home on mission, uh, missionary uh, time at home. So during that period of time, it was decided we would move further south. We moved south to Alès in the area, uh, a town called Vauvert. And it was in the south in a, with a small uh, village. And the church was about 100 or so years old. And they'd had a revival years ago. And so the pastor was going to work alongside with Doug and help him learn how to minister. And during that period of time, it would be decided, somebody would be would be guiding Doug to go to other churches to spend time with another pastor who would show his style of ministry mm -hmm. and help Doug see how to go and visit people, how to be with the youth, how to do all this. So you're sort of broken into the new way of doing things yeah. gradually over several years. And then come home where we lived in the village in Beauvert. Mm -hmm. And there we had a very good time with, made some good friends. Yeah. And uh, it was uh, funny because we were, of course, sort of uh, rare in that village. There were no more Americans than us. So if we got a package with a bad address on it, they would say, where do the Americans live? And somebody, <laughs> somebody would point uh, in a certain direction. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. So your kids learned at school. I they learned at school, French, yes. And you guys took classes. We took classes at the university. Okay. There is in most state universities in France, they have a language program for foreigners. And so yeah. that's where we started. 
Okay. Can you talk about the cooking class that you took? Oh, the cooking class. Well, one day after class, we're, I think it was probably some of the girls, we decided we had gotten news that there was a home demonstration cooking class that didn't have enough members. Mm -hmm. So they were going to have to cancel it. So they had sent word to the to uh, the university, did anybody want to come? Well, several of us decided immediately we would go right over there. So we signed up for about a five or six week cooking class. And we learned ordinary cooking recipes, techniques of cooking and things like that. But then after the meal, after cooking, we got to eat and we had a very good time. It was a great experience in French to be able to say certain things, Yeah, you know, and say when you sit down at the table in France, you call people and you say, à table, and that calls the whole family and the children, everybody to come. And, that uh, means to the table? To the table. Yeah. Yeah. And so you learn all the culture of the home, you know, that's mm-hmm. so important when you're, if you're going to be relaxed around ordinary people that you're going to meet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What were your favorite foods in France? Well, we, uh, we liked a lot of the cheeses. We loved it. Mm-hmm. And we began to learn how to buy them and, and do things like that. And then there are varied ways of cooking vegetables. I love that. Mm-hmm. And then they, they know how to make a salad with anything. Really? Yeah, it's really good. They put uh, put kernel corn in their salad and, you know, all kinds of good things for all summer long. Whatever's in, whatever's in season in the local market, that's what you cook. Yeah. So there you are. Mm-hmm. So when did you move back to the U.S.? We moved back at the end of 19 years. We moved back in 1993. Mm-hmm. It was a period of changing uh, where we would have had to minister and a different and a time in the United States when our parents were getting elder, elderly, 89 and 90, 91 or something like that. And uh, so we moved back and we'd already had a conversation with my sister and she and her husband were going to move to Atlanta. And she'd always been the member of the family near the parents. And so when we moved back, we moved back open-ended in time, thinking that if if we were needed, we would stay mm-hmm. and take care of them. So we did. We finally did. Finally had to pull ourselves out of the mission work and establish ourselves in the USA near mom and dad. Mm-hmm. And we stayed there and had a uh, had a wonderful missionary experience. Whereas in France, it's very slow, the progress you see, the gospel presentation doesn't take hold very rapidly. So when we got back to the United States, Doug always has been able to start a ministry. And so he began to work on the college campuses, teaching English to international students. And we thought it was going to be a group that would be varied and different. But no, it turned out to be all Chinese. We had about 20, 20 Chinese students at that time. There had been a some sort of provision in China that allowed students to come to the United States to study. What city were you in? We were in Mobile, Alabama. Okay. Small, medium, small, not too big university. Uh-huh. And so pretty soon Doug had two or three Bible classes and uh, English classes, had some books we used, usually teaching idiomatic phrases that Americans use all the time. Right. That are so hard to learn and don't, you know, don't mean anything to you if you translate them. Mm-hmm. So, and then we would do evangelism and Bible studies all alongside, you know. So you went to school to be a teacher, and then eventually you became a French teacher, right? Yes. After living in Mobile, I had gone to high school in Mobile. So I had, before we left France, I had taken 
some classes at the local French university, and I was able to transfer them to the United States to the certification agency in New York City, mm -hmm. which the state of Alabama accepted their their uh, credits. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to teach French with my certification in Mobile and taught there 15 years, 14 years, sorry, 14. Did you like that? I loved it. Yeah. I loved it because I, it was so easy for me. I could just relive my experience to a certain degree. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was really fun. And still you're teaching because you're a Bible study teacher. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I've always been involved in some sort of thing like that. <laughs> Seems like it just keeps going. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's right. Um, I didn't ask you this before because we kind of moved on, but while you were in France and as you moved back, what are some of the things that the Lord taught you in your faith? That change is hard and uh, it's hard to leave things you really love. Mm -hmm. But it does not mean that you won't have some, mm -hmm. that you will not have a another situation that's just as, uh, just as uh, enjoyable and just as fulfilling. I want to tell you about our ministry in Mobile. Doug had all these students that were coming to learn English, and they, many of them were coming on the side. They had the idea that they would learn about the church. They would learn about Christianity. And so almost every week or very rapid, very quickly, he would have people profess faith in Christ. Mm -hmm. We had uh, grandparents that came from China to visit their student children in uh, Mobile, and they professed faith in Christ. And they stood up in front of that little Presbyterian church in Mobile, Alabama, and, and said the same uh, membership vows that everybody else says when they stand up in front of our church. Mm -hmm. And uh, they wanted to do that here so they could do that, so they could be already established as Christians uh, when they went back. And some of them have come to live here. Really? Yes, they lived here. So we had many, and it, we had many good experiences like that because it taught the church that the church is not just a Southern Alabama thing, you know, mm -hmm. just a little local thing that, you know, they let, let happen. It just happens. Mm -hmm. No, it's something that's worldwide and it's God promoted, uh -huh. you know. And so it was a real teaching experience. And in addition to the fact, many of the elders and leaders in the church began to take these young Chinese men as, uh, you know, Bible study pals to study and to talk about the scriptures and so they could practice their English. Mm -hmm. It was just a very rewarding situation because we'd never had that many people come to know Christ in 19 years in France. Right. Yeah. So I think your life is pretty extraordinary for a few different reasons, but one of the mm -hmm. themes is all the cultures that God has brought you through. That's right. In your, in your time. It's well, it is, uh, it is a sort of a surprise to me when I think about it. Is it? Yeah, it is. And, uh, but I'm, I'm thankful for that because it's always helped me to be able to be comfortable with almost anybody and to look around and say, who's lonesome in this group, you know, yeah. and go sit by them. Cause it, it means a lot to have somebody take you on in church when you're new, mm -hmm. even in an American church, and you're an American. It means a lot for you to disrupt your routine, push your, put your friends aside for a minute and go see who that other person is over there. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you're good at that. I like doing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like doing it. Yeah. So what are you learning in your faith in this season of life? 
Well, I'm learning that every season of life has its uh, has its uh, strong points, has its uh, rewards, and I'm thankful to be able to study uh, the Bible. I think that Bible study that I teach is maybe more useful to me than it is to them, but we have a great fellowship, and we enjoy it very much, and I love the the ability to uh, to be able to get these groups, these girls together and have them want to come and it it all created without my instiga- inst- instigation, but the fact is that I love it. Mm-hmm. I really love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're all growing together, let's put it that way. We're all growing together and many of us are elderly, many of us are caregivers, mm-hmm. and so we have a lot in common to be able to adapt our faith and see what God is teaching each one of us. Yeah during this time. So I know you and I have talked a lot about how one of the things the Lord is teaching you right now is to slow down. Yeah. And do fewer things, but try to think about it more Mm -hmm. and reflect on it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I appreciate that time. And I, I'm enjoying taking it because I learned that it's, it's nothing wrong with being by yourself in France. That's one of the things I learned that I could be by myself and be perfectly comfortable and do things at home that I, I might brush off, like sitting and reading a hard book. Or uh, I taught myself to pick out the, the hymn tunes of the French hymnal so I would be able to sing better, you know, clear, more clearly and more easily when we worshiped in France. Yeah. So in every podcast, I like to ask my guest if they have a favorite scripture. Do you have a favorite passage you'd like to talk about? Well, I have several, but I okay. have I have. My whole theme is, uh, and I think it's been the theme of our lives, is the steadfast love of the Lord and the one in uh, Lamentations, that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning, and that's really true for us, mm-hmm. really, in all the strange situations we found ourselves. Yeah. You know. I love that. I do, too. Yeah. Do you have anything that you want to say that I didn't ask you, or...? that you want to add or share with the listeners? I think one of the best things that happened to us when we went to France is our children grew up in in a foreign country. Mm-hmm. It made our family so strong. Yeah. We all learned to depend upon ourselves. And you would not know this about the French, but they're very strong, family-oriented. Their children stay at home. Their children feel like they must be home for the meal they want to visit their old grandmother. They want to uh, be a, around their family a long, much longer than the American children do. There's less of an effect of uh, of the adolescence crisis and things that that American parents have to deal with. Yeah. And so I'm thankful my children grew up to be 18, each one of them, before they went back to college in the United States because I think it's helped them know who they are a, a lot better. I love that. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I've enjoyed it so much. Thank you. Good. Thanks again to Anne for being on this podcast episode. I really enjoyed our time, and I gain a lot from the wisdom that you have to share. Some of the things that resonated with me from our conversation are to have boldness in your faith, to not worry about where the Lord is taking you because He'll work it out according to His purposes and that sometimes it's okay to be uncomfortable in your faith. What resonated with you from this episode? I'd love to hear about it. Write it in the comment section under the show notes of this podcast episode on our website, 
pauserenewnext.com or join the conversation on the Facebook page. You can find PRN on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, and you can find the podcast on almost any podcasting app. Well, that's all for this podcast episode. I'm Jenny Detweiler with PRN. Pause, renew, next. The podcast. May you be encouraged on your journey with Jesus.